Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. I hope you guys all had a great weekend this weekend. I had a wonderful, wonderful event-filled weekend. I took care of the niece and nephew this weekend. I found out, you know what I'm too old to do? A lot of stuff, but you know what I'm specifically too old to do? Sleep. Well, and go to a go to a jump park. You ever been to a jump park I've before? Been, yeah, I've been there. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts a lot. Like, especially if you haven't jumped on a trampoline since you were like eight, nine years old. It hurts those who aren't prepared. Yeah. And then you got yeah. you got back problems and you're now, just what's like, the weight limit on those trampolines? Enough. They're, okay. Yeah. They're they're good for the the parents too. And the aunts and uncles. Good. Also, but what um, a way to celebrate your two years of sobriety, by I the know, way. Yesterday. Ha- happy sobriety day. Congratulations. Thanks, Thank you. For uh being uh for being two years old. I know. And I'm hammered drunk today. Yeah. So I was, to- I was gonna totally say fine. Yeah. if you're trying not to drink, yeah. You spend a whole weekend with kids. <laughs> it's really all I can Did think they stay about overnight and stuff. Oh yeah. They stayed Friday and Saturday night. Um, Saturday, when do you want to keep Parker? Later, some other time. <laughs> Saturday, we went to a jump park. We did that. It was fun. It was really cool. It just, the first jump, like they got the, these this big trampoline. It's like, oh, let's see how high you can jump. This is the, the, the extra tall height jumping trampoline. And like the first jump, I was like, oh, God, I can't walk. You probably compress something. Oh, in your man. Back. It hurts so bad. You need one of those upside down inverted and like inverted decompressors. Yeah. Because need- you probably, when you jumped, all that force, the downward yeah. wind turbine. I need to do bungee jumping. Came down. I was there. Yeah, that's what yeah. you need to do. Stretch out the old back. Yeah. For we sure. Sign you up for that. Yeah, I'll go do that pretty soon. And then we, uh, I, I went to. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't trade this weekend. Well, it was it wasn't in Brentwood. It was in um, well, it was in Franklin. It was down in uh, Cool Springs, which I guess is technically Brentwood. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. one over there. By well, the, the one in Brentwood's where all the rich people go. The one in yeah. Franklin is like a. Mediocre I don't know level. if it's if it's technically Brentwood or Franklin. I don't know which Were one it you was. Behind, like by by the Best Buy and stuff. Yeah. Right off, well, no, right it's off over Moore's there by Lane. Target. Over by Target by the mall and stuff. Yeah, right off Morris Lane over by Target. You take a right by the Global Motorsports right there. I don't know. I didn't I don't know I which motorsports it is. At the, to, at the jump place? No, there was no. another Okay. So if you look at the building across the street, like it looks like a corporate office building? Yeah. That one. Yeah. How are you yeah. how was your weekend, man? Was it, was, it good? Yeah, it was really good. Um I celebrated one year with my lovely lady, Stephanie, and we went out to dinner and had a grand old time and um I'm not going to tell you what happened when we got back to the house. Nobody needs to know, but we had a great time. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, one year. Saw you guys at the jump place, actually, out there celebrating. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we yeah. were doing. That was cool. Yeah. Hey, guys, you should subscribe to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Uh, statistics show that 96% of the time, this podcast cures coronavirus every single time so you should really listen to it because that's going around these days but yeah 96 percent of people who listen to the podcast do end up subscribing which is a pretty cool number you don't want to be part of those horror percenters you don't want to be in that group whatsoever so what you want to do is hit subscribe hit follow we do a new episode every single day of the week when we want to 
which uh, is darn near every single day of the week. And also when we want to applies to the time of day, because as the people who watch live know, it's literally just when we want to every single day. There's rarely any warning. Like today, Charlie was on a, a 56 and a half hour long phone call that he was on since 8 a.m. this morning. And mm-hmm. so we were just now able to go and uh, yeah, getting to you guys as soon as possible today. But hey, you could listen to it in the morning if you want to. It's like you can, you're free to listen to this in the morning. Yeah, for sure. But if you want to be part of that live group, go to patreon.com slash good morning Liberty. We have such a dedicated live group. Yeah. Our friend and Patreon supporter on our patron, Aaron, AA Ron, this dude ran out of gas and not only did he run out of gas, he's on the live feed right now out of gas on the side of the interstate or a road. I don't know if he's an interstate or not, but, uh, Thanks, A.A. Ron, for still being a patron and, and supporting us and being part of the live show while you're out of gas it, sitting in your car. How it, cool is that? It's part of the things you learned when you were in driver's ed. You want to have your road flares. You want to have jumper cables. And you want to have Good Morning Liberty live on your phone so you have something to do. While and you're waiting. So he's following all the rules, and we commend him for that. Exactly. That's a very good job. Good so job, do that at Patreon.com slash Good Morning Liberty. God, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. I know. There's a lot this of is, stuff in this list. Let me tell you guys something. I, I'm i not sure that the worst has come yet. It hasn't. Yeah. There's no. some, uh, you know, we, we've got to talk about, well, there's lots of things to get into, but, you know, there was something about the... Um, about GDP in the market that I was looking into that it could be really bad come the end of July here. We'll have to, we'll have to see maybe another time to talk about it, but we, uh, this, this may only be like, like, like the scraping of the surface. I really think it is. Yeah. Like if you think about this as like creme brulee, yeah, we're barely scratching the sugar. It's just a crusty top. This is just a crust. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's that's what my daddy it's always like used the, to say. It's just the crusty top of the creme brulee, man. It's just this is like the weird slimy part of the French onion soup right now. That's all we've really gotten into. <laughs> we so, haven't even gotten to the meat and potatoes. We haven't that's even got that to the broth brulee. yet, y'all. This is just the the weird slimy part so far. Well, so we're going to talk about coronavirus just a little bit today. Yeah, coronavirus that's going around again these days. We're in, uh, you know. Listen, it seems like there this whole second wave thing is happening that people have been talking about for a while. You know, we never actually got to AOC's tweet. No. No, I never confirmed that it was for sure real, so I never talked about it. Mm. But uh it you know, it seems like something she Probably would say but, real. but but I don't know. I mean, if you want to read it, you're welcome to, but I I, I don't know. Um, while Charlie's looking for that tweet yeah, right now. That. So talking about coronavirus, you guys are hearing, listen, oh, the numbers, the numbers are upticking. Everyone's getting sick. Uh, and it, you know, it's true. The daily in, infections, the, the new infections do seem to be a little bit on the rise. Now there is another statistic that people might want to listen to, which is that the, the daily deaths are still on the decline. We, we went through a little bit of an uptick there for a little bit, and uh, we're actually still in like the lowest period of daily deaths deaths since the since the peak. Like the, that has not been getting worse yet. Now we'll see in the next week or two with all the new people getting sick from their Memorial Day celebrations, uh, we'll see in the next week or two whether or not those people are going to be succumbing to the disease or whether or not, you know, maybe they won't be. And I'm guessing it won't be as bad, just just an assumption, but that's really because a lot of the new people getting sick have been really young people. 
And that's because really young people were more likely to go to outdoor Memorial Day celebrations, of course. And that, and that's the main reason why. If, if, you were to, if you were to listen to the news, that's, that's, really, that's really what's going on. It's, it's pretty infuriating that everyone's doing everything they can to make sure that this has nothing to do with the protest whatsoever. Tens of thousands of people marching in a pride parade through Chicago. And what we'll see in a couple of weeks is that the reason there's an uptick in cases is because a couple bars opened their patios early. And, and that's what we'll end up hearing. But anyway, I got, I've got this cool article from Bloomberg, which is talking about Sweden. And you know, Sweden did things a little bit differently. They, they didn't really shut down like everyone did. They've really been relying on the people to be responsible, which is, which is kind of weird. It's a kind of weird thing to do. In fact, what was really interesting is when they asked if they would be shutting down everything, they responded with, well, we don't really have the authority to, to shut down everything. Like, we, we can't do that. There's no laws that would, that would allow us to shut down our economy which is hilarious. So the Swedish COVID expert says the world still doesn't understand. So what you've been hearing from Sweden is that, well, their, their deaths per 100,000 have been higher. Uh, their infection, you know, their amount of cases have been a little bit higher, but they're really trying to play the long-term game. And their, their COVID expert is saying that, that people really just don't get it yet. You can't really be looking at the course of a week or two or of a month or anything like that. We're talking about who is going to be best set up to make it through the next year or two, because he says this is going to be something that we're going to be dealing with for a long time. So they're, they're trying to play a, a smart long game on this. And so, which, which I don't know, seems like it makes sense. Well, I mean, it seems like it makes a little bit of sense, but you want to know what I found before you dive in? What'd you find? It's fake. It's fake. Okay. So the AOC tweet that, that was going around Facebook and all that, where she said that we have to stay shut down uh, until basically the election, because what's a few, you know, a few thousand jobs or a few jobs and people losing just a little bit of money to make sure we get Trump out of office, basically, is what the tweet said. That yeah. one has been shared around a lot. And uh, even it got me. It's fake. It's always good to look stuff So up. you're right. It is fake. But I do remember, you know, back in april a little over a month ago she did say just say no to going back to work oh yeah so it's the same thing and her reasoning was until we get adequate wages and right. and medicare for all and and things like that like that that's those, when you should go back to work i had a which we're not we don't have time to get into it but i had a similar battle with some marxist over the weekend that's what i spent my time <laughs> doing the weekend too um all about this book called white fragility if you want to be brainwashed go read that garbage it just it's a bunch of garbage stapled together that someone published <laughs> just bound together it's it is just a book disgusting it, you know whatever anyway back to coronavirus which is which has just devastated the land yes you know what's you know what i find ironic and maybe it's in this article i don't know because i haven't read it what i find ironic is everyone is out here touting about how the numbers are going up the numbers are going up and uh, which is true, the 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 infections are going up. Mm -hmm. It's because they're they found out that more people have it. Yeah. But what's weird is what they're not reporting is like hospitalizations and the critical patients are going down. So like the the hospitalization curve is still low. Yeah. It's just increasing the amount of people who have it. And one thing I've seen is that well the ICU the ICUs are full as far as far as their Corona numbers. And that's a pretty flawed number because I yeah, know they ain't 
ICUs have a a specific percentage that they're setting out for coronavirus cases because they are uh, quarantined from from everyone else. So when when those are full, it doesn't mean that the ICUs are packed full. It means that they've they've used up the beds that they allotted for coronavirus patients. True, uh, which is which is very different. So um, this is talking about Sweden and and kind of their ideology on the whole thing. This is on Friday. Anders Tegnell won a very public victory against The Who after lambasting the organization for making a total mistake. The Who named Sweden on a list of 11 European countries where it said accelerated transmission has led to very significant resurgence resurgence that, if left unchecked, will push health health systems to the brink. While Sweden remains on the list available on WHO's website, the organization has amended its assessment and said Sweden contagion rates are in fact stable. It linked the high number to cases to an increase in testing. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? That's weird. Uh, Will... William Hanage, associate professor for epidemiologist. Oh, uh, Billy Hanage. Bill Bill Hanage. <laughs> Bill Hanage, associate professor of epidemiology at Harvard School of Public Health in Boston, says Sweden's policy is unusual in that it took a much less stringent approach to preventing transmission, but interestingly, it implemented those measures at a very early stage in the pandemic, before large amounts of community spread had occurred. But the Swedish approach has come at a cost, and its death toll per, death toll per 100,000 is now five times that in neighboring Denmark, according to Johns Hopkins University data. The strict lockdown the Danes imposed in mid-March has since been wound back after the virus was ostensibly brought under control. In an interview with Dag... What, what are, what's up with all these words? Why can't they just I'm have glad you read normal, this you know, just normal American names? Should come be, on. Should be Daggins. Just like... John Smith Tegnell said he's not sure he would have imposed a stricter lockdown on Sweden with the with the benefit of hindsight, seeming to walk back a view he has previously articulated. So there, he's even saying that if they had hindsight and the fact that their their death rate is five times higher, he's not even sure that they would change anything that they did. They're they're still pretty okay with it. So he said maybe I don't know, but you have to consider whether there are other tools that work just as well. His main concern is that strict, lockdown, strict lockdowns may temporarily contain the virus, but won't prevent it from returning. He also says lockdowns come at an avoidable cost. In the same way that all drugs have side effects, measures against the pandemic also have negative effects, he weird. said. Weird. That's so weird. At an, authority, at an authority like ours, which works with a broad spectrum of public health issues, it is natural to take these aspects into account. He lists domestic abuse, loneliness, and mass unemployment. That's so strange that That's, he would this guy's take nuts. all of that into consideration. He obviously just wants to get a haircut. He must not have a medical degree. No, and he wants Trump to win re-election is yeah. really all it is. In its email comment on Friday, the WHO said there are several very positive trends in Sweden, notably a continued decrease in new cases presenting with severe disease, a gradual decrease in patients admitted into intensive care since April, and continued decreasing numbers of new COVID-19 deaths. See, that's something that no one is really talking about. All we're talking about are new cases, new cases, new cases, new cases, new infections. That's all we're talking about. Which new cases doesn't necessarily mean new infections, by the way. We're going to get to that in a second. That's that's coming up next. Sweden has involved the community in the response and has been able to keep transmission to levels that can be managed by Swedish health system, the organization said. Sweden's approach has been widely misrepresented as doing nothing. It's not. 
Given the starting point in which it has been decided the outbreak is inevitable, the question becomes how to mitigate it and preserve health care. And the earlier on in the outbreak you take action to slow transmission, the less intense that action needs to be. Sweden's strategy in that sense has been smarter than those countries that encouraged transmission until shutdowns became necessary. However, it has come at a great cost in terms of mortality in vulnerable groups. It also needs to be flexible and responsive. Responsive. If a surge is building, you need to be able to detect it and know what you will do to avert it. So, speaking of what Charlie was just talking about, I saw this post earlier, and it was a it was a screenshot from the CDC's website, and it was under the CDC's website for if you test positive with an antibodies test. And I saw this, and it was one of those things where I had to go look it up myself because it seemed too fake to be true, and I wanted to make sure that it was actually real. So I went to the CDC's website and I went under if you test positive for an antibodies test. And listen to this. It says a positive test result shows you might have antibodies from an infection with the virus that causes COVID-19. However, there is a chance a positive result means you have antibodies from an infection with a virus from the same family of viruses called coronaviruses, such as the one that causes the common cold. <laughs> so my main question on, on, on Twitter was when I, when I posted this out was how are you ever supposed to trust any of the numbers when the CDC's own website says there's a chance a positive result means that you might have the antibodies from a family of coronaviruses that have existed for a really long time that caused the common cold, meaning people who have the common cold could be getting counted as positive coronavirus tests. Now, that's not important, Nate. What's important okay. is you should be wearing a mask. Okay. Not okay. asking questions. You can only protest <laughs> if it's for Black Lives Matter. Other than that, stay home. Yeah. Wear a mask. Or you can go to a gay pride parade, yeah, which is to, fine. Yeah. Or sorry, LGBTQ plus plus. Parade, yes. you can go to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's totally fine. But it's just I don't know. It I don't know if it's just the real cynic in me that just doesn't seem to trust hardly anything that I uh, ever see, like ever. I mean, even it goes to everything. When you told me about that AOC tweet, I was like, ah, need to look it up. Need to check that out. Yeah, it's the same thing with coronavirus numbers. I mean, how how that's often part of your personalities? How often have we talked about how? Um, in Virginia, if they tested you three times to make sure you were actually positive, they count all three tests as positive coronavirus tests. That doesn't mean three people had it. It means one person had it, they gave them three tests, and now they have a total of three tests that were positive for coronavirus. Doesn't that matter? Just a little bit. Mm -mm. A little bit doesn't matter. No. Some no, not at all, okay. mate. All right. Okay. I don't care if you had 10 tests, then you get counted 10 times. Okay. All right. And it's not like, again, we've said from the beginning, like you should take this thing seriously and, and protect yourself and take some personal responsibility. And I've said wearing a mask isn't that hard. Um, it's not it's not a hard thing to do. However, just pay attention yeah. to what's going on. That This is just more evidence about how the government actually doesn't care about you. They make emotional brash policy decisions without taking to an account like Sweden did somehow of all the things. And then when it doesn't add up to the narrative that they're trying to spend, they're trying to spin because they created this mass hysteria. And so now instead of coming out and saying, maybe we were wrong, 
They don't want to do that. They want to cover their ass. That's what they're doing. Well, everyone's still going to say, well, just so you know, we're going to slip it in here because nobody's going to read this. Uh, that, yeah, we're counting the other coronaviruses, you know, some that are in the family, but don't pay attention to that because what you need to do is protect all the citizens and protect yourself and wear a mask and don't uh, protest stay at home orders. Listen to the people who have been telling you what to do. Just listen to them. Just listen. That's what they want. They'll listen to people yeah. in power. They yeah. want they want that control. Unless it's Trump and then don't listen to people in power. Yeah. You know, don't right. don't do that. But it, everyone is still acting as if the death rate for this thing is 5%, like they originally estimated. I mean, yeah. the, that number has been revised, by the way, all the way down to 0.28% from the 5% that they were running with back in January and February. That's a really, could really argue, big difference. One could argue even, well, a couple things, actually. One, half the deaths, at least, were because patients that had coronavirus were sent back to nursing homes. Mm-hmm. Where they just let the infection run rampant, basically. It is about 40. This some- happened in Michigan and New York and New Jersey. Some of the hottest places, the hotbeds of this outbreak. It's like 40% of the 40% of, of have the been in nursing homes or at least people who are like over the age of 80. Yeah. So far. So you could, one could argue that. The second thing is, where are the flu numbers? Where are they? Yeah. If you look at the CDC numbers, it's like they're counting people who had the flu as dying of COVID. If you look at the separate numbers, I don't know. It's pretty weird. I, it's just something to qu- that you should question. Well, because they, I mean, they straight up said in a lot of these places that if your symptoms looked like COVID, then you were going down as a COVID death. D- dying from the flu looks like COVID. Like it's a really, really, really bad flu that yeah. like kills your lungs. But that's how the flu eventually kills you is you get the flu so bad that it destroys your lungs. I don't understand how we haven't got it. I, I don't I, Maybe we, we did have did it. Have it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could fight it off. Marie says, unless you're black, black people don't have to wear a mask. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Black people, LGBTQ plus people. Um, it, it's the white straight males. They're the <laughs> those, ones that need to wear those, a mask. <laughs> those people have to wear masks. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Oh, man. <laughs> Jim said, don't forget the shark attack victims that well, died that, of COVID. That's a point that Elon that's, Musk made. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, it doesn't like it, it doesn't matter if a shark ate you and then they you know found your remains and you tested positive for COVID. <laughs> so if they find your arm and your arm tests positive right. for COVID, then you go down as a COVID death. Yeah. And that's, not, that's true. It's a ridiculous, sh- uh, you know, it's a ridiculous uh, example, but it's true. If you die in a car accident and you get tested and you have covid you're listed under the covid deaths and the people and then how a, do we know we can even test the tests or trust the tests i know because the ones they sent out were terrible to begin with and they the were wrong this, the more this goes on the less and less i trust anything i'm seeing at all like the more it becomes politicized and the more time people have to manipulate things the less i trust everything that i'm seeing which is why we argue for localizing everything. Yeah. Like, how can mm. you trust the federal government? Was As I've said, if this entire, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that we need way less government, not more. Yeah. And that was the argument I was getting in over the weekend with these cultural Marxists who clearly only want, uh, who think government are the only ones that can solve the problem because the real issue are businesses. Oddly they're, enough, Donald Trump is the, the president, but government is who should solve everything yeah true which is yeah. kind of weird 
to be able to make that argument. Well, he at the literally same said, time. "We just need good people in government." Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I said in the video of Milton Friedman saying, "Just where are you going to find the angels to organize society for us? Where are they?" <laughs> I don't even trust you to do that, Nate. What are I mean, what are the odds that you're going to just have good people in government for the rest of your life and your kids' lives and your grandchildren's lives that you're just always going to have perfect virtuous angels in government forever? Yeah. I mean, that's the bet that you're making. That you're literally making that bet. While Donald Trump is the president, you're making the bet that we're just going to have perfect virtuous angels in charge of the government forever. He was duly elected. It's insane. It's completely insane. Okay, so we had the this video. I'll show the video real quick in case any of you guys didn't see it. Charlie actually hadn't seen it yet. Um, of the couple defending their home um, <laughs> very dangerously with their weapons in St. Louis. Um, terrible, terrible, terrible rules that they're following as far as being a responsible gun owner. I mean, just real bad. They're, they're not doing a good it's job not, at all. It's not great. It's But... We need to talk about whether or not uh, it is, I don't know, is it within your rights? If you were, if you're the chair of the Libertarian Party, you would say no, that it's not within their rights and that they should be elected or elected arrested, which is what the chair of the Libertarian Party has been saying. He's been citing the laws in Missouri that they broke and how they these people should be arrested. So I want to hear from you guys in the live group what you think. I'll play the 30 second video real quick. This could be loud. Hold on. So you have a crowd of protesters that went through a gated community. First house on the block, couple comes out wielding weapons. The woman's just, I mean, pointing at everyone. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go all the way into when she gets down closer to them, but you guys get the idea. So this couple came out. The guy is holding, you know, an AR of some kind, and the woman is holding a a pistol of some kind. It looks kind of small, even in her hands. It could be like a 380 of some kind, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, doesn't matter what it is. Both of them have their fingers on the triggers and are pointing them at the protesters that are that are. And each other. And each other. I mean, she points the gun at her husband like two times. He points it at her at yeah. the beginning. I mean, it's it's crazy. So and is he he's like holding the very end of the barrel or something, right? I know. He's got his hand like all the way down at the end of the of the barrel. I mean, just listen, they're not exactly gonna be your expert marksmen or anything like that. And they're probably not teaching any gun ownership classes anytime soon. And we'll just we'll say that. But what Maurice said, I think, is the answer. He says they shouldn't, they, he's not, he said, I'm not saying they should be arrested, but the gun community needs to continue to blow them up uh, and distance ourselves from idiots like this. Now, that's the, that's the problem. Like, this is not responsible. And Magoo calls him Mr. and Mrs. Karen. Yeah, it's, it's Ken and, <laughs> Ken and Karen is what they've been dubbed. So, listen, um, I agree with that. Their technique is terrible. They're not being safe whatsoever. Um, you should never point a weapon, which I'm presuming is loaded, uh, at a person unless you intend on using it, um, or unless you're in, in immediate threat of bodily harm. And it sets a bad example, and it, it kind of shines light on gun owners in a really negative way. So 
Especially I, weapons of mass destruction. You should not point don't any point nukes those at, at anyone. Anybody. Now, tanks, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's really hard to... Lo- I don't know if you've loaded the shell in there. I don't know what's going on, but, you know... Now, what? like, I have a hard time... I'll push back on that a little bit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I really don't think brandishing a weapon, weapon is necessarily um, an offense. I do think pointing it at the... The crowd was not a good idea for sure. And and maybe there should be some legal. I don't think it's an ram- offense either. Ramifications for that. But if I have a crowd of a hundred people outside my house and their goal is to break in, I'm going to make sure they know that, Hey, if you, if you try to get in here, you're going to be met with force. And now the and media I've got the force right here to prove it. The narrative was that the people were basically walking down a public sidewalk or street and the people came out their house. That's not what actually it's a private happened. Private community. They, the, in, in another video, you can see them actually breaking through the gate that goes into the community. And they're basically, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty much in this couple's yard. By the they're, way, they're, it doesn't matter. Those private communities, those are private roads. Yeah, yeah. they're that's not. not it's public. not a public that's road. Not public property. That's why there, there's a gate around it. Exactly. So, um, it's so you're trespassing. You're, yeah, which which is not cause for shooting anyone. Nope, but they I'm didn't. Not sh- they that. didn't shoot anyone. And so I'm with you on this. And I had a little back and forth with some people on Twitter. A nice back and forth. But they were basically saying, you didn't like, tell them to go screw themselves. No, I didn't. I, I was <laughs> being nice with them, but they were saying, well, you know, I, I think that any laws prohibiting the ownership of uh, of any weapons is unconstitutional, but there should be laws to stop people from just pointing loaded weapons at people. And I was like, listen, I understand what you're saying. I get it. But there's. There's no crime that's been committed here. No one was yeah, harmed. Is there a victim? They, they didn't. They didn't fire the gun. And if you were to extend that out, principally all the way through, like, okay, so you know, do, can I just call the cops and say, hey, that person just that guy just pointed the weapon at me? And so what I just what I said to them was, okay, imagine it's like a person of color and they have a gun and they're protesting, and I just call the cops and I say that protester right there pointed his gun at me. Well, like. Do they need to be arrested? Can you prove this in court? Now, in this instance, we have a video, but you have to ask, like, how dangerous would it be? And I know that this is actually illegal. I mean, around a lot of places, obviously, to to brandish a weapon and to to point a loaded weapon at someone. But it's dangerous to me to leave that open as a law because that could be misused all over the place where there's actually no victim of a crime. Like, okay, if someone... Did they fire it? Did they shoot you? Did they do? Then there's like a crime that's been committed, but you're. Or do they threaten to shoot you? Do they say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to shoot you? Like, you're crazy if you think that, oh, there's a law saying you can't point a gun at someone. Therefore, I just made a bunch of people's lives safer. Like, that's, that's crazy because the danger of pointing the gun at someone is that they're going to shoot someone. And if you're going to shoot someone, you're not like, oh, my God, at the time I picked up this gun, I've broken a law. Like, <laughs> no, that's yeah. not what you're doing. Like, you're about to shoot someone. So it, it's it's crazy to me to just fall back on these things like the chair of the Libertarian Party, Nick Sarwark, has been doing today, which is basically calling for these people's arrest and citing the Missouri laws that they broke and, and all that kind of stuff. So he's for victimless crimes now. That's So that's what I said. I said there, there's no victim in this crime. No one was harmed. No no one was harmed at all. Right. Like So what did he say? Who gets the job? He didn't respond to me. A bunch of other people did. It got a bunch of retweets and, and all that stuff because, you know, I, I said a bunch of stuff to him, but he put never responded. Put him in his place. He's been talking about it all day on there. It's just like 
what when do you draw the line on we should stop prosecuting victimless crimes and then also we should prosecute victimless crimes <laughs> i mean it's so disgusting that this guy is the chair of the LP and I'm so glad that he's about to be gone. He's, he's had three terms and he said he's not seeking a reelection as the LP chair. And it just, it, the day could not come soon enough that he's not there anymore. Yeah. I, I can't I mean, wait. I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't been all bad, but yeah. there's several key things, several things in the spotlight that he has come out on that. He's just been dead wrong. Yeah. Dead wrong. And I think mostly he's libertarian. Uh, on a lot of things, but there's some key issues where he's come out and just been, he's a lawyer. He's I come out and just been one of them lawyers. He's mostly libertarian in his hatred for the, he's one of those libertarians. I've been talking about that, that hate the government more than they love Liberty. That's, that's what I've seen so far. Yeah. He hates the government more than he loves Liberty. And so when all of this protesting and everything has started, he's been on the, you know, the whole train of, the the black lives matter thing which 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 is a fine idea if it weren't being ran by the people that it's being ran by and it wasn't the actual if the goals of the organization were not what it actually was if the actual goal was we're really worried about black people dying needlessly if like if i felt that was the goal of the organization then i'd post hashtag black lives matter like a, but that's not the goal of the organization right and he's been and if it was a goal for equality of opportunity yeah no that's and not, those types of things that's not where he's at on it that's not where he's been the whole time he he hates the government for specific reasons unless it is someone who is trying to get people off of their property using weapons then he wants to use the arm of the government to go arrest those people right so who did not harm anyone. And you know, as Captain all. Hadley would say from Shawshank Redemption, lawyers are nothing but a bunch of bullwashing bastards. That's, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I don't guess I really have to read the article that we have pulled up for this because we no. really just, it seems like we now, talked about it. So. In the middle of all of this, Jeff from the live group, bought a, mm. he brought up a very, very good point. He said, who built those private roads? <laughs> who did? How, how did they, how I, did they get there? I, I don't, I, it's almost like the people who own the properties in that area that it was part of their property ownership that they put a road through there because they would all need to get to their property. It's so weird. It's, it's really weird. Isn't that strange? Yeah, I don't I don't get it. How these developments, by the yeah. way, I don't know if you guys know this, but any any community that gets developed, it's the developer's job to put in the roads. The government doesn't pay for those, by the way. Isn't that strange? Isn't that the special? <laughs> so... Um, I think the argument for my roads is gone. Yeah. Because um, those private roads exist. So nice comment, Jeff. Way to sneak that one in there. So uh, something most people probably would have missed. Gilead has announced that their pricing for their coronavirus treatment. And of course, Bernie Sanders has been all over this recently uh, today because they came out with their pricing. So, Charlie, if you want to take this article, we've got some talks on. Now, they, they explained why the pricing is what the pricing is, and they make a good case for it. I'm not saying the drugs should cost this amount of money, um, but actually, at the end of the article, they make a, a pretty good argument for why it's a why it's a good price, honestly, for the money that it's going to be saving people. So, anyway, the Gilead, Gilead coronavirus treatment. 
So this uh, Rimdesivir. We talked about this uh, a while ago. The Rimdesivir showed promising signs, potentially. Um, this is from CNBC. Gilead Sciences announced Monday the, the much-anticipated pricing for its coronavirus treatment, Rimdesivir, saying it will cost hospitals $3,120 for a typical U.S. patient with commercial insurance. <laughs> The company announced its pricing plans in preparation for it to begin charging for the antiviral drug in July. The company has been donating doses to the U.S. government for distribution since it received emergency use authorization in May. The drug maker said it would sell remdesivir for $390 per vial to governments of developed countries around the world, and the price for U.S. private insurance companies will stand at $520 per vial in the U.S., that means Gilead will charge a lower price for government programs like Medicare and a higher price for private insurers. Quote, whether you're covered by a private insurer, whether you're covered by a government insurer, whether you're uninsured with COVID-19, there will not be an issue for access with remdesivir. Gilead CEO Daniel O'Day said in an interview Monday with CNBC's Meg Tyrrell on Squawk Box after the announcement. You ever watch Squawk Box? I, I do. I, I do watch it. It starts to uh, kind of right at the market open or right before it's actually one of my favorite stock oh, okay. market shows nice. to watch on CNBC. Uninsured individuals will be covered under provisions of the cares act. A senior official in the department of health and human services said on a conference call with reporters Monday for privately insured people out of pocket costs will be determined by individual insurance plans. The official added every drug in the U S has two list prices due to the country's healthcare system. O'Day told CNBC adding that he stands by the pricing structure and that it will ensure access for those who need it. Its government price of 390 per vial was determined based on developed countries with the lowest purchasing power, O'Day said, in order to avoid negotiations with each country that could slow down access to the drug. The, are you telling me countries are going to slow down access to a life-saving drug? That's, that's all weird. About, for prices. Well, so what happens is they ah. have to they have to negotiate the price with each country. That's what they normally have to mm -hmm. do. So what they did to make sure that there would be no time for negotiations is they went with what the lowest the 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 least economically advantaged country could pay, and they priced all the government prices at that. So there would be no negotiations. Yeah. Those terrible, terrible people. They're so greedy. <clears throat> yeah. These Gilead greedy greediness. The company said it has entered into agreements with generic manufacturers to provide the drug at a substantially lower cost in developing countries. Shares of Gilead were up more than 1% in late morning trading Monday. The majority of patients treated with remdesivir will receive a five-day treatment course using six vials of remdesivir, the company said. That would bring the government cost to $2,340 for patients on the five-day treatment and $3,120 for patients through commercial insurance. The longer 10-day treatment course, which uses an average of about 11 vials, will cost governments more money and other patients more money. $4,290 and $5,720. While there are still no COVID-19 treatments approved by the FDA, scientists have found some success in shortening the recovery time of severely ill patients by using remdesivir. Given the potential to reduce costs for hospitals and to save lives, Gilead said its price of $3.90 per vial is well below the drug's value. You don't say. It's 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 pretty far below. They they go into talking about. I mean, if you think about it, this drug they're saying on average reduces your hospital stay by about four days. So if you imagine how much money it costs for you to stay in the hospital on all the stuff that you're on, you might even be on. I don't know if you're on a ventilator or whatever you're, if you're on. You're in the ICU. I mean, you're looking yeah. at 
you know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a night in room charges. Yeah. So that's an expensive hotel room. So if this drug can knock what's the yearly cost of a of an ICU <laughs> room? Let me figure out know. these this price gouging. <laughs> Uh, so, so what they found is that it, since it takes four days off of the time that you're going to be in the hospital, it, this price is insanely fair. Like uh, they're trying to listen, drugs have a value just like anything else in the market has a value, especially something that saves you time and saves you a lot of money in other places. Like it's not just, it's not just specifically what the cost of each vial of drug is. It's, it's what the value is that it's bringing to the patient and to the hospital. And people don't like that with medicine. They really don't like it with medicine. But it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with, I mean, your, your cell phone charger costs you 30 bucks. It probably costs them 15 cents to make it. it. That part doesn't matter. What matters is what you'll pay for it. And we found that that system is what makes things widely available all over the place and taking away that system and setting price controls is what makes things fall into a shortage because well, who's going to make the thing what happens is is that mm. another smart person who it may be good at making drugs will be like oh man they can get 390 per vial i bet i can make that and sell it for 250 yeah and then that's what they do they come in and they enter competition it's it, like, in as 25 as years when the patent runs out. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, they're not allowed to right now yeah. with all the, you know, regulations and stuff that we got going on with the FDA and stuff. But that's how a, a typical free market would work, which is the same argument I was having against these, you know, Marxists over the weekend was like, they think that the system that we have is capitalism. They think that we operate under a free market capitalist system. No. So, you know, what you don't understand is it's full of cronyism. And it probably more resembles a fascist system of government and not a free market, uh, free exchange of goods. If you want to capitalism, like free market health care stops at boob jobs like that. That's about it. Like there's your free market health. They've gotten really cheap. Right. Yeah. And better. You know, you can buy, <laughs> you can so, buy, a, you can buy a teddy on the low yeah, now. No, I mean, it depends on, <laughs> you know, what now, you know, it varies by cup size, but, but. <laughs> No, I mean, that's where you can actually get a free market. The, the rest of the healthcare system is not a free market healthcare system. Your, your LASIK eye surgery and your, you know, any type of <laughs> elective, any, any types of elective procedures, uh, those are actually fairly free market. Yeah. But now, of course, Bernie Sanders is where I saw this article tweeted. And he was talking about how any drug for COVID-19 must be free to everyone. That's what I was going to say. They could come out and say, we're going to yeah. charge $5 to cover our costs. And he'll be mad. And they'd be so mad because yeah. it's like, why is it free? Yeah. I heard it's, someone's got to provide an ID to get this. <laughs> it's, oh, my God. It's insane. And there's so many things that he just simply doesn't get about that, like everything else that he doesn't get. But deciding that you're going to make it free or not allow someone to charge for it. Now, there's a difference in free where you say Gilead shouldn't charge any money for it or free where the government should pay for it. And inside of the CARES Act, by the way, which they said earlier in the article, if you don't have private insurance and you're not on Medicare, the CARES Act is going to cover coronavirus treatments anyway. So that that was already in in the stimulus yeah, package so it's not harming the poor no, or the underinsured or people who can't afford if, it if you don't have insurance it's going to be covered yeah. anyway so 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 that part's Nate, how much would you pay to save your life i don't know man uh I, that's it's so it's such a crazy question like how much would you pay for a house how much would, would you pay for a car what do you pay for your phone 
what do you pay for these four laptops and and six screens that we have in here like uh, what would you pay to save your life free better be free better be free <laughs> it's insane it's it's completely insane like your lives are just completely valueless yeah it, it makes no sense at all to decide that you'll spend thirty thousand dollars on a new car but if you ever received anything more than like a $300 bill from a hospital, then it's highway robbery. They're just taking advantage of you. Well, you, then you wouldn't be able to go on your trip. Yeah. And take pictures for the gram. Exactly. Which is, you know, you got to have, you need that. You got to go to Puerto Rico or, yeah. you know, the Bahamas or somewhere. You got to take your yearly trip. Same. So you can take pictures in your bikini and, and uh, you know. Bird dog swim trunks. Now, healthcare is too expensive, Charlie. We we do agree that on that. That is true. It's way too expensive. People have a really, really big priorities problem because there are a lot of things that people will pay for on a daily basis or on a yearly basis and be completely fine with. But when it comes to saving their lives or the lives of their children or their parents, they think that they shouldn't have to pay any money for it, I want which is to, insane. I want you all to think about this. Old J.D. Rockefeller... Who was probably a terrible person. I, I'm not saying he was a good person. Racist, I heard. Yeah, racist yeah. probably. But yeah. anyway, he was a billionaire. Uh, probably more than that. Probably a multi-billionaire in, in back in his time with the amount of money that he procured for himself. Clearly stole it off people, obviously. Anyway, he, his, he had a son that died from a bacterial infection. You want to know why? Because they didn't have an, antibiotics. They, they, they didn't exist yet. Yeah, antibiotics or, were free at that time. Yeah, they were. <laughs> yeah, they were. You didn't have to pay any money for them. No. So yeah. it didn't matter if you had all of the money in the world. It wasn't even invented yet. And no one, everyone takes for granted the the miracles, the sheer miracles that exist in our lives. And the fact that people live to even be 80, 90, or 100 years old is unbelievable it's it's it's, it's a seriously miracle. unbelievable that's galdern miracle of science right there like how many people you know like are like are born with worms <laughs> i don't know not not many i got worms yeah you know i don't know you know what happens in africa and other third world countries there a lot of kids are born with wor worms and all kinds of stuff like absolutely horrific disgusting things that the human that the human beings have been through and we live in an incredible time where we have a novel virus discovered seven months ago <laughs> and we have a treatment coming out. That's going to be less than $500. What? What? Yeah. What? It's it, people think that as soon as, I, as soon as something is invented, that you have a right to it, which is, which is not the case. I can't, I can't even, I was making the analogy because people they're, they're like, Oh, we have a right to this. Like it, it didn't exist six months ago. You don't have a right to it, you know. It's like a, it's like Louis C.K.'s thing about the the guy that was mad that the internet went out on the on this flight. You know, it was like the first flight to ever have internet, and they experienced some difficulties. He was like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> like, like, yeah, dude, like this didn't even exist a couple of weeks ago. You know, yeah, and you've already like, an hour ago. You're already mad that you exist. don't have it. Yeah, you know, it, I was I was actually running this analogy in my head last week because I was I was having a conversation with someone. It's like if I invented. A way. Let's say I invent a way to make a car 100% safe. There is no way that you'll die in this car. And whatever it is, whether it's a, some kind of seat belt, some kind of magic foam that sprays out whenever you have a car accident and you can't move or anything like that, whatever it is, and I invented that, 
if I don't push that out to the world or if I tra- if I charge money for it, like, am I guilty of some kind of a crime right yeah. there? Everyone deserves is, a car. Does everyone that, have a right to it? Everyone has a right to freely travel without dying. Like, how do you have a right to something that I might invent next year? It 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 doesn't make any sense. Human beings cannot have a right to something that yeah. that, that you can't have a what right to Gilead something that has just, to be provided to you by someone else. What if they just didn't invent the drug? And that's the and that's the alternative, by the way. When you're like, oh, it has to be free. Well, how many less people are going to go into the market of creating that drug when you decide that it's got to be free? Yeah. What's the incentive? Where's the incentive structure for that? And so what what they would rather have is that it just never exists. It's like these people can understand something like when they go to work, they expect a paycheck. It's like, well, no, your labor should be free. Why is it not free? I just I have a right to your labor, right to whatever you're doing. Right. But no, no, they understand that concept. If they your labor is, you know, your labor has to get money. But but that guy's labor that I need something from. Well, that has to be free. Yeah. Because it's a right. Yeah. And you just try to extrapolate that out to everything. Like if that were the case everywhere, then you would not ever have anything. I mean, it's just I mean, we've seen this play out before The people will stop. People stop trying. Eventually, you stop mm. putting in the effort. It's it's insane. I, I might still keep that Bernie Sanders sweet and dumb bleep of the week because it, it deserves more time spent on it. But we'll uh, we'll move on to the next thing here. If you got any more thoughts on it, let me know. Well, I have so many, but yeah, I, you know, the more that this goes on, the more that I can't even. You can't even with this. I can't like I can't even even. Charlie can't even. Yeah, you remember that? So Amazon. Speaking of terrible, terrible, greedy murderous, terrible companies, Amazon to pay $500 million in thank you bonuses to frontline workers. Those evil pieces of crap. I can't believe how greedy they are. Amazon said Monday it was paying bonuses to all of its employees and delivery partners on the front lines in June. <laughs> front, I love the, listen, I love all my frontline workers out there. All you guys are doing such a good job, but we are not in the freaking trenches in World War One right now. The frontline okay. workers, the power line workers. Yeah, all of them. All the line workers. Line cooks. <laughs> you know. All right. Uh, the front lines in June during the COVID-19 pandemic for a total cost of over $500 million. The e-commerce and cloud giant said it will give $500 to each full-time Amazon and Whole Foods market employee and delivery service partner driver and give $250 to part-time employees. The company said it will pay $1,000 to all frontline Amazon and Whole Foods market leaders and pay $3,000 to delivery service partner owners. For Amazon Flex drivers, Amazon said it will pay $150 for those who have more than 10 hours in June. That's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, great it's a pretty uh, that's it's 15 an hour bonus for june right there uh-huh. you know you got got 11 hours it's not too bad our frontline operations teams have been on an incredible journey over the last few months and we want to show our appreciation with a special one-time thank you bonus totaling over 500 million dollars said dave clark senior vice president of ww operations at amazon in a in a completely unrelated article directly after this protesters set up a guillotine in front of jeff bezos's dc home wow this is from <laughs> from Fox News. I just wanted to lead right into that. Yeah. From that story. Just don't stop. Yep. Protesters have set up a guillotine outside of Washington, D.C. complex where Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos purportedly resides, according to reports. Several videos circulated on social media showing what resembled the apparatus known for beheading executions during the French Revolution in a residential area of the nation's capital. Now, how is this not like putting the noose out there? I mean, you know how many people got beheaded? 
through over the years? Yeah, right. I mean, come on. It was not immediately clear if Bezos was in D.C. this weekend. His prime, now, why would Bez- Bezos well, the, did need you, a- you forgot what the sign said. The sign on the apparatus. Oh, sorry. On the guillotine said, support our poor communities, not our wealthy men. <laughs> like people are supporting Jeff Bezos yeah. in some kind of way. Yeah. Stop, stop giving your financial support to Jeff Bezos. Like, how are you going to support the communities what, hope, with what money? I hope none of them have ever ordered a package from Amazon. I'm sure they haven't. No, yeah. they're principled. They're very principled. Definitely people. not prime members. They definitely, I think they got that guillotine on two day shipping from the last <laughs> I saw. It was not immediately clear if Bezos was in DC this weekend. Now, why would Bezos need to have a house in Washington, DC? That seems random, doesn't it? So random. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Huh. His primary residence is in Washington State, where he founded what grew into the colossal e-commerce company in 1994. He is now one of the richest people in the world, with a net worth around $160.8 billion, according to Forbes. He's lost money. He's, it's, I mean, it's because of that divorce. <laughs> His ex-wife is worth 40-something million. Yeah, billion. Billion, sorry. He also sometimes resides in an upscale Manhattan neighborhood popular among celebrities like Jennifer Lopez. That's important. What up, J-Lo? One video showed a female protester in D.C. with her face covered call out uh, over a megaphone. When they become threatened and we have no voice, the knives come out. Now, See, this is what these people are really after. This is. like th- This is the underlying... This is the this actual is part of the, the movement. The actual narrative, yeah. yes. It came in the form of protest against racism that initially had a very rightful anger behind them over people getting murdered by police officers a a valid argument and this has been completely overtaken by what is what i could only call a socialist uprising that that's what's actually happening it's it's the marxist movement it's the it is the marxist uprising that sounds crazy but look around that's what's happening Mm -hmm. right now a digital flyer circulated online titled abolish the present reconstruct our future it named his dc complex and advertised an event there sunday from 4 to 8 p.m free soft drinks were provided (laughs) amazon (laughs) amazon works directly with police to surveil us stoking racist fears in the name of profit doubling down on their union busting and mistreatment of workers amazon fired and racially slandered labor organizers chris smalls the message claimed join us to tell jeff bezos enough is enough so now do you think do you think guys like bernie sanders and aoc and all the others do you think that they do do they hold any responsibility for their rhetoric in in demonizing oh no people like jeff bezos and and bill gates and of course not yeah the people who are rich who are actually providing massive amounts of value to society if people took bernie sanders seriously they would end up trying to shoot up a congressional baseball practice full of republicans which they would never do which people would never do that right no that so i don't think anyone's taking it seriously anyway so i mean that is this is why we've been talking about bernie sanders so much it has nothing to do with bernie sanders He'll be long gone. He and these ideas are are still going to be here. Now, listen. It, it was it was Marx and and people even before him that really started all this. And then it was it was Lenin and Stalin and and Mao and all these people that were pushing these Pol Pot and all these people that were pushing these ideas and Chavez and and all these people. And then Bernie has just been another one of them. I mean, look, he's he's eighty something years old. We we won't be having to deal with bernie sanders our entire lives more more than likely but these ideas are going to be here forever 
And that's that's why we talk about Bernie Sanders. It's not really it's not just him. It's because of the ideas that he's spreading. And this is what they lead to. This is exactly what they lead to. Now it's not people personally doing things to people. You know, I don't hold Bernie Sanders personally responsible for that because this is on an individual basis. People True. have to make their own decisions whether or not they're going to harm people. I'm just, you know, talking about hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. Is it, you know, is it their rhetoric that leads to this type of, of violence? Yeah. And look, that's what it's become. They care less about the poor, more. They care more about hating the rich than they do about uh, helping the poor. That's the underlying, the underlying principle and the underlying narrative of all this is, which is why I say it's so dangerous is a Marxist agenda and their goal is to the, 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 the very bottom of the goal. When you actually, you read what they write is to burn the entire thing to the ground. In fact, as I mentioned on black lives matter website, one of their stated goals is to rid of the Western nuclear family in the book, white fragility written by uh, Robin uh, D'Angelo whose influencers include Rousseau, Foucault, and Marx, and Derrida, and all of the postmodernists that are cultural Marxists in disguise. The, the answer to racism and the answer to capitalism and, and the West in general is we have to rid of the cancer that causes inequality. And that, that cancer is white people, and the the people who have traditionally held the power and the wealth and oppressed everyone else. Well, there have to get rid of the oppressors. There are actually people marching through Beverly Hills over the weekend chanting, eat the rich, like literally, <laughs> God. which sounds terrible. I mean, I would just have them buy you dinner or something right. like that. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't sound, sound good, no. but I mean, th this is unless you brought some barbecue the, sauce or the something. Flyer, the flyer for this event said, abolish the present, reconstruct our future. That they're, they're not hiding it. No, no one's hiding this. This is the idea. Mm -hmm. I mean that, and I, you know, I don't know exactly what to do with it other than trying to take care of myself and my family and do what I can do to get the right information out there every single day. And that's, that's really all I can do. I mean, I don't want to, roll in there with tanks and start clearing people out or anything that that's not what I think we need to do, but right. we've all got to do our part to get the right information out there. And, uh, so, you know, it, it's just pretty, it's pretty crazy, especially considering the fact that, you know, this goes to show you, you don't need to, to bow down to the crowd either because Amazon's been all over the black lives matter thing. Like they've, they've got their Black Lives Matter at the top banner when you get on your Amazon video. Mm -hmm. They've got, you know, categories of, you know, you know, Black Lives Matter movies or, or whatever the categories are. Um, he even said, um, let me see, he said something. Amazon had joined the roster of companies demanding a reckoning with institutional racism following the death of George Floyd. Um, he said, uh, Bezos said on Instagram that he was happy to lose customers who did not support Black Lives Matter. In the days following Floyd's death, the company posted the note saying, in part, we believe Black Lives Matter. We stand in solidarity with our black employees, customers, and partners, and are committed to helping build a country in a world where everyone can live with dignity and free from fear. That's all great, but it no one cares. Like, that's not the point. They, they want to eat you because they think that you're a, a cancer destroying the earth. Exactly. Like, they want you dead. There's a guillotine in front of your house. Yeah. Okay. This has nothing to do with black lives matter. 
in the in the literal sense of caring about black lives. It has nothing to do with that. This is a this is a Marxist socialist movement that is coming under the guise of racism. That way you can't talk bad about it. And and that's all it is. That's that's all that's happening right now. It's very smart. It's a very smart idea yes. to disguise it in a way where a bulk of society would ostracize you if you talked bad about the movement. But it's, it's kind not, of like have a kid. It's kind of like having a kid speak about climate change. Exactly. Like you're you're a terrible person if you sit there and badmouth a right. kid. Like she's a kid. What are you yeah. going to do? I can't believe you're doing you're you're talking that way about kids. In in this book, White Fragility, by the way. It literally says that if you're white, you can't have an argument against racism. And what white fragility means, what it means is that if you become defensive whatsoever when uh, when someone is explaining to you your white privilege or anything like that, or if you try to say, if you're a white person and you try to say that you're not racist, that right there is is your white fragility showing. Yeah. You can't say you can't say anything about it. Yeah. At all. Think about that for a second. You can have no objection because you're white. And so they, they that's it. They end the argument. You can't There's you, nothing you, there's nothing you can say. You can't defend yourself no. because the act of defending yourself is is, is racism. Itself is the is the aggression. Yeah. And that's it's it's it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. You guys ever I been I literally was like this is absurdity. Yeah. How can anyone even remotely comprehend that? It's, it's, I, I don't even know. What's, it's like, uh, it's like when I tell my son to do something and he's like, why? And I said, because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to give a reason. It's, they don't have to, they, they, it, they've come up with a way, a very intelligent way, by the way, uh, because a lot of people are behind this. And so if you, if you happen to be someone who disagrees and voices that opinion, well, <laughs> Off to the gulag with you, my friend. Now, I mean, this this reminds me of getting into an argument, you know, with with my wife or something, and she's like, um, I mean, she hasn't said this, but she's like, you know, I, I think you're a terrible person, and you don't love me, and you're always doing terrible stuff, and uh, you know, it, it it really hurts, and you're like, when she say that, no, she hasn't said that, but you're like, <laughs> and you're like wait wait a second like hold on i didn't i didn't do this and that right there like that's not what i meant by this and and what about all this other good stuff and she's like i feel like you're just invalidating my feelings right now you, you, this is like husband fragility that, that's going on right now husband you're like fragility you're like no I, I was just defending myself like you said a bunch of stuff that wasn't true about me and so i'm trying to come back and say that's not true it, it's not like i'm sorry that you feel that way but it doesn't mean that it's true. Right. And that's that's what we're dealing with right now. You feeling something does not mean the same thing as it is true. Mm -hmm. It means that you feel that way. It's true that you feel that way, but it doesn't mean that it's an actual truth. Those are those are two very different things. Your wife can feel like you don't love her and you should deal with that, but it doesn't mean that it's true. It, you you might very well love her in some kind of a way. And, and and so those are those are two very different things, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Where one side says, "I feel like the 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 whites are doing this to me," and you're like, "Hey, hold on, I'm white, I've never done this," and you're just like, "Oh, that's just, you're just you know you can't say that you, because you can't you're white. Say that you're white, you're racist." I'm like, and in fact, in your point, you're put in the corner and you can't say anything. In fact, your whiteness and your racism, your racism is inherent because you're white. 
Yeah. And it's unconscious. Yeah. Like you don't know that you're doing it. It's it's an un, it's an unconscious racial bias. It comes across as extremely arrogant to me to think that you can somehow speak for an entire race of people and be able to tell other people of that race that no matter what they say to defend themselves that they're wrong and you know more what's going on inside of their own heads than they do. Like imagine the arrogance into thinking that that were possible. Like if you and I were having some type of an argument and I said, you, you know, Charlie, you're just, you're not actually my friend. You don't care about me. You're using me in some kind of way. And you tell me all the reasons that that's incorrect. And, and I'm just like, no, I, I mean, you, you just don't understand that that's how you feel. Like you don't really know because you're the person who's doing it. You don't really get it. Yeah. Like you're unconsciously doing it by like, the way. Like I don't know more about what's going on inside of your brain than you do. But somehow we're dealing with a society that has decided that they know what's going on inside the heads of an entire group of people based on what their skin color is, which is racism, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's, it's literally racism. Yeah. You've attributed something to an entire group of people based on what their skin color is, something negative more so, you know, and because of what their skin color is. And if they try to say, well, that's not what I do or that's not how I feel. Well, that's just further proof that you're right in some kind of a way it's completely insane it's completely irrational and there's really no argument that you can come up with against it because you're i mean you're painted into a corner right now and what are you going to do the very act of you defending yourself there what are you supposed to do what are you supposed to do to get out of this you can't you can't that's the thing this ends with the destruction of a race that's what this ends with by the way Mm -hmm. if you take this to its logical conclusion which is why things went the way it did in China, in Russia, in in Venezuela, in wherever you know Zimbabwe, Vietnam, <laughs> in all the all in kinds Nam, of places, <laughs> and you know wherever wherever all this stuff happened. This you take it to its logical conclusion because there's only one final answer once everything gets bad enough, and that's that an entire race of people has to be destroyed. Germany would be a good example. There's only one logical conclusion. If the Jews are causing everyone's economic financial downturn and they're the reason that we're all living so terribly economic economically disadvantaged and we're starving and all this stuff, if it's their fault, then they must be destroyed. If the kulaks And then you can justify it. You can, the and then you can justify if the kulaks are causing us to not have anything that we want that we need and they're living okay while some of us are starving. If that is actually the kulaks fault, then destroying the, the entire race of people is justified then at that point. And this is what you've seen all throughout history. It keeps repeating itself all the time. And that's the problem. It continues to be the problem. Guys, this was Almost the problem with racism from white people to black people throughout history that that, you know, they were an inferior race and we were superior and and that they needed to be destroyed. Some people felt some people felt that way. Obviously, that's why you had lynchings and all kinds of stuff like that. Like that's where that led, because it's the logical conclusion of that ideology. And the logical conclusion of this ideology is that the white people are going to have to go. That's, they're gonna have to suffer. They're gonna have to suffer, and that's not justice, by the way. It's not justice for Charlie's son Parker to suffer because he's white when he's literally done nothing to ever hurt anyone ever. 
It's it's disgusting. Well, I do have to get onto him about hitting sometimes. Okay, well maybe <laughs> so that person can hit him back. That's fine. Is he a black kid? No. Okay. But that's the thing, though. It's like simply because he's white. My son already, obviously, he's unconsciously racist. Yeah. He's three and a half and doesn't know he's racist yet. Somebody needs to tell him. That's how. Man, it, just because he was born white must run in the family. And th- as you said, this is how history has always played out. And I think most people don't understand how these types of movements take place. You know, it's, it's, you know, one of the, one of the persons I was talking to is literally uh, has, you know, admitted uh, uh, one admitted of being a socialist Two went so far to say that they've had uh, training in social justice and um, training in Marxism, you know, Marxism and whiteness yeah. studies and, and cultural studies, by the way. So this is like an indoctrination and a training that they're that they're perpetrating. And the author of the book, White Fragility, um, she's white, by the way. She's an Italian immigrant. Her parents were Italian immigrants. And uh, she has her Ph.D. in multicultural studies, by the way. Mm. And uh, she teaches a class on whiteness. And uh, she is a self-proclaimed racist because she's white. I didn't sign anything saying that she could talk about. I know. The she, white race. She, she's you know? self-proclaimed. Ra- she says that she's a racist and she can't help it either because she's white. <laughs> but she can speak about how she can write a all, book. The, all these white people <laughs> are racist as so well. So she's and projecting they don't all over the place is what yes, she's doing. Exactly. Okay. And so it, it's these types of things. This is how these movements get started, which is why I said, I'm not sure we've seen the worst of it yet. I don't we're think just, so. We're just sniffing the sugar, coating the creme brulees, man. We <laughs> haven't got to the good stuff yet. And, and, uh, if we do not, if we do not keep building this movement and combating the murderous ideologies that these Marxists are, are perpetrating, then, then we could go, we could go to hell in a handbasket. Well, pretty quick. there's, this goes back to the conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago, or maybe early last week. Like there's a reason that we started this podcast and we started talking about all this. It's because we actually believe that all these things could happen again. That's that's why we talk about these things. That's why when we spoke at Young Americans for Liberty, we talked about what happened in Germany and what happened in wh- and what happened to, in the Soviet I'm, Union and all these things. We're not trying to fear monger, monger. No. no. We're not trying to to scare anyone or, you know, say that it's time for war or anything like that. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is is that <laughs> the ideologies that we propose is the is the proper way is the moral way to combat the evil malevolence tendencies of Marxism and what it entails. James said they got a red belt in mixed Marxist arts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. That's good. good. That is so good. All right, guys. So that's uh, we're over an hour right now. We have we have one more good story. Something good that Trump did in a long line of not good things that he tends to do uh, these days. Get off Twitter, Trump. Stop it. Okay. Anyway, get off tweets. You see, you retweeted that thing where a guy yelled "white power," and and no, no, you don't see any news anymore. Um, no, I didn't. He's in hot water. I had my he, anniversary this week. He retweeted a video, and it was these guys on a golf cart that were Trump supporters, and these protesters were yelling at him. And as they drive off, one of the people in the golf cart, I guess, yells white power, and he retweeted oh the video. God. Now, listen, think what you will about Trump. 
but I see no world where he actually listened to the video, heard someone yell white power, and then retweeted it. I don't see any world in which that exists. More than likely, what happened was he was on his phone during a meeting about where the nukes are, and he was scrolling through Twitter, and he saw the video, and his sound was off, and he hit retweet on it and put a little comment and said thanks for the support because he saw the guys had like Trump bumper stickers on their golf cart and they were being yelled at. Right. And that's it. And the video, he took it down, you know, afterwards. But uh, of course, this just feeds the idea that oh, he's yeah. a white supremacist and he, he, he's, he's got to get... aiding and embedding. But anyway, he signed an executive order on Friday um, for, the, for federal hiring where they were, they're no longer going to be relying on uh, degree-based hiring, but they're going to be shifting to skill-based hiring. Mm. So they're not going to be requiring degrees anymore for any of the things that they're hiring for. They're going to be asking you what your skill set is, which is a good move. And they're saying they're hoping that the private sector is going to follow along with this. Mm -hmm. But you were talking about indoctrination and all this, which of course a lot of this happens in college. If we could get a lot of the economy to move towards skill-based hiring instead of degree-based hiring, it could start to to kind of hold back some of this some of this Marxism, being that that is the number one book outside of college textbooks that is recommended reading or given out as reading in college. Um, what is it? The uh, the Das Kapital or whatever that yeah. is. Um, I think is the number one book. Um, that other than the college textbooks that college students read. So anyway, he's he's signed this order. So we'll play that and talk a little bit about that and what that means because, you know, college prices obviously way too high. We're living in a world where the, a lot of the colleges aren't open anyway, and that could be a little step towards stopping the indoctrination at the same time. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that some tomorrow. But guys, if you are interested and learning about trading the market. Both of us have updates. It's good starting a week off with an update, trying to finish June strong right now. We got one more day of June, I guess. What's today's date? 29th. Yeah, 29th. One more day of June, trying to finish it off strong. If you're interested in learning how to trade in the stock market, we day trade every single day. We stream live in the morning, showing our pre-market analysis to the people in the class. If you're interested, go to mastermytrades.com. We'll teach you everything from learning how to read stock charts, use a charting platform, uh, ordering stocks, you know, setting up your brokerage, all that kind of stuff, and the strategies that we use every single day. So if you are interested, then go to mastermytrades.com. That's the Liberty Training Academy, man. Liberty Training Academy. As I said, y'all get in on this live group, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. You want to be a supporter there. As little as five bucks a month will get you as part of the live show. You can comment, interact with us. You get all kinds of bonus content. You get a free coffee mug. You get all kinds of cool stuff, man. So, to get all that free stuff, all you have to do is give us at least $5 a month and you'll be part of that in crowd. And as Nate said, uh, hit that subscribe button, smash that thing because 96% of the people that listen to this show, hit that subscribe button. And that's what you, you want to be part of that. That's the majority you want to be a part of. Yeah. You don't want to be part of the whore percent because down there is a bottomless pit of selfish hellness <laughs> and nothing but gnashing of teeth and whipping of you know, you know the thing. You know, so you know the thing. Don't be part of that. Be part of the 96%. Hit that subscribe button. Please share the show with a friend. If y'all do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.